in this episode responding to your recent comments and criticisms, mainly because I love you. Only no tongue, dude. Let's try to keep it professional this time, shall we? Like, if that's okay with you. In any case, tongue is always extra. I'm John Logan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. For buyers here in Australia. Website for that. <coughs> yes, or you can just click the car that's up there now. Dude. I specifically took the time to prod that card into place using the recently superseded Australian government women's network logo. Yes. And it was surprisingly good for that too. And I am, of course, a world-class prodder. So that was quite a good fit. Coming up, the tiny trap that could see you fined quite heavily for test driving an electric car, hidden in plain sight too, and identified by an eagle-eyed viewer like you, only named Gazza. <laughs> it's on ya, Gazza. There's a big swing and handful of nuts in the wings too, that's coming up. I'm looking at you potentially, but right now, random Chinese whispers about Mitsubishi's Super Select Two four-wheel drive system. Let us clear that right up right now. I've seen several of your videos talking about the Super Select 2 system in Mitsubishi where its 4H is unlike 4H in other 4x4s. Besides able to use 4H to go on high traction roads, normal highways and bitumen roads, I was told there is a speed limit, not more than 100 kilometers per hour when traveling on 4H in a Mitsubishi. I've never heard you saying such, so it came as a surprise if that is true. TH Lim there, missed it by that much, dude. See. The big plus about Mitsubishi Super Select 2 system is, as you say, the ability to use 4H with the center diff unlocked, meaning you can select the first four-wheel drive setting on your dial, the one that's right next to 2H, when you're on a high traction surface. And that means wet or dry bitumen, dirt roads, even the ruly, ruly, grippy dirt kind, etc. This is a dead set operational plus because it means that you're less likely to spin the wheels by accelerating too aggressively for the traction underfoot because the drive is being split four ways and not just two, okay? You cannot do this in a Hilux, a Ranger, a Navara, BT50, Shitbox D-Max, etc. Because in terms of driveline tech, these lesser utes are all about as advanced as a post-war Massey Harris tractor. And yeah, dude, I get it. The MH33 will never die. But Super Select 2 is a huge plus for sure-footed safety and security on shit roads in 2022. 
in any of the more prehistoric utes, you're going to damage the transmission if you use four-wheel drive high on a high traction surface because there's no centre diff in those vehicles and thus the front and rear prop shafts are synchronised whenever you select 4H. And they generally need to rotate at different rates when the vehicle negotiates curves on high traction surfaces. And insofar as I'm aware, you can drive with Super Select 2 in 4H with the center diff unlocked at any speed. But according to the manual, you can only shift on the fly between 2H and 4H at speeds below 100 k's an hour. So this is where the speed limit applies. It's only when you're shifting between those modes of operation, like from 2H to 4H or from 4H to 2H. When you're actually in one of those modes, you can drive at any speed, dude. You can lock the center diff on the fly too, if memory serves, but you need to stop before you select low range, obviously. I've just noticed that the white Polestar on the opening credits above has New South Wales registration. EQI89K does not have the compulsory blue EV triangle. When I went for a test drive, only one of four cars had the safety label, exposing 75% of prospective buyers to a fine of 136 bucks and one demerit point. I pointed this out to the site manager, who just looked at me as if I farted in the elevator. Such ruthless attention to detail is what I have come to experience from Polestar. Gary Fuchs there, Gaza, well-spotted son. I can't comment on your test drive experience specifically, but if what you say is accurate, that is actually pretty poor form, especially if it's coming from a specialist EV brand. In mitigation regarding the photography though, that image that I used, the shot that I used specifically in the thumbnail of EQI89K, that one, on the bridge just north of the gong here in Shia, was first made available by Polestar for media use on the 23rd of November in 2021. And that matters because at that time, there was a sticker exemption in place for light vehicles. So it was okay not to have that approved EV safety label on the number plate at that time. From the 1st of January, 2022, owners and drivers must display the safety labels on all the number plates of their electric, hybrid or hydrogen vehicle. If they don't, penalties apply, including a defect notice and or a fine. New South Shitsville regulatory assholes there. Unfortunately for Polestar, however, a wad of photographs, including this one, right there, accompany the 17th of January Polestar Nullarbor chip fat carbon neutrality fiasco press release. And I can't see the blue label there on any of those photographs. And it's the same car. And I presume that ongoing compliance with home state registration requirements is a condition for traveling interstate, even in WA, which is practically a different country. So well done there, getting the details right. Chinese, electro, Swedish, Australian Polestar operatives. The public service announcement here, okay, if you go out and test drive an EV or a hybrid anytime soon, just have a quick look at both ends on the number plates before you hop in. 
because it's you who's going to get pinged, lose the point and be obliged to pay the penalty if the dipshit dealer forgets to apply the mandatory safety labels. And now, the healthy cholesterol-lowering therapeutic part of the show where I play with the nuts. Sorry, John, don't want to seem precious, overly serious or un-Australian, but liar-in-chief is a tad too far for me. Peter Brown there, and yeah, I did accuse the current PM of being that on Monday. I mean, I accused him on Monday of being a liar, more or less prolifically. Oh well. He is a liar and in many ways also the chief, albeit only for the next few weeks, one would hope. Peter doesn't like me calling the Prime Insa a liar. To me, this is a really interesting proposition, the not liking me for doing it, right? Because it is definitely defamatory to call anyone a liar. And I'm not a lawyer, but in my view, you should be very careful about doing that in public to anyone. Right? As a journalist in particular, you have to be very damn careful indeed about imputations of this nature because they could sue you. And that's serious. It costs a lot of money to defend yourself, right? It's like calling someone a thief or a pedophile. Although, clearly, I make no such imputation in relation to ScoMo. Okay? He is a bit of an oxygen thief, however, personal opinion. About the only legal defence you've got if you make imputations such as these, like liar or whatever, here in Chitsville, is the defence of substantial truth. I think honest opinion is kind of off the table on that one. I'm not a lawyer, though, thankfully. High office holders, right? Prime ministers, cabinet ministers, CEOs, people of that stature, they're held to a higher standard and thus quite heavily scrutinised compared with the rank and file of the rest of us who reside deeper in the turd mine here in Shitsville. So it should be a pretty big deal, in my view, when a prime minister lies. It should be, but it isn't. Not anymore, at least. Like, it's become commonplace, even expected. Crikey.com.au has published quite a brave dossier on the PM's lies and falsehoods. 50 of them right there. I think that was in May of 2021. Anyway, Crikey also has more details on the PM's lies right there. We're not talking about inconsequential lies of the kind we all employ all the time, like telling relatives it's great to see them at Christmas when clearly they're hating it just as much as you are. These are just the kinds of lies we all use all the time just to get by. And PMs are as entitled to trivial lies as anyone else. But there is a different kind of lie, isn't there? A more substantial kind about important stuff that really matters. These are the kinds of lies that indicate unequivocally that ScoMo has, at best, an ongoing ambiguous relationship with the truth on matters of national importance. Even the beetrooter, himself a walking caricature, 
Seen there in traditional ancestral vegan headdress handed down from Roman Emperor Betrutius Maximus himself. A man who also seems to me to like having the facts at arm's length from time to time. He described ScoMo as a, quote, hypocrite and a liar. Sounded fairly sincere in context too. Also unequivocal. ScoMo lies even when it's not necessary, seemingly. What continues to impress about Morrison's lying is the sheer lack of necessity of many of them. A direct quote from Crikey there, and I agree, lying just seems to be his default state. Like, it's how he rolls. Doubtless the French Prime Minister would agree, in between mouthfuls of Beaujolais and Gruyere or something. But being a prime ministerial liar is, at least in a sense, its own reward. Mainly because you cannot hope to sue anyone who subsequently calls you a liar, at least not successfully. Anyone being sued in this fashion could simply front up to court and trot out Crikey's compendium of ScoMo lies, lodge a defence of substantial truth and make an application for costs. Yes. I doubt it would be a particularly lengthy trial. Crikey even published a book entitled Lies and Falsehoods, the Morrison Government and the New Culture of Deceit. It's a bit of a side splitter too, by Bernard Keane. Lawyers, as I understand it, were on speed dial leading up to the publication and the book was, of course, out of date before the printing presses had even stopped rolling. Like, so prolific is the output from Canberra. So to Peter, who raised this objection and sees me labelling the PM as the liar-in-chief as something sort of beyond the pale, I would retort, I'd never call someone a liar lightly. I don't give a shit that it might affect them or offend them. I give a shit that it might affect me. Okay. In fact, I'd always measure twice and cut once on allegations such as that. Peter can object to me doing this, of course, this is absolutely his right, but the facts, I'd suggest, don't give a shit about one's subjective determinations. And if we stop respecting the facts, it fractures the epistemology of reality, and then, as a society, we'd friggin' never get anything done. Having a liar leading the nation needs to become a big deal again. You make some good points, but I can't listen to one more strayer. Nothing about the car industry's worth putting up with your delivery style. I'm out. Grant Hayden there. And I'm thrilled, frankly, to hear that this has become a pivotal issue for Grant mainly because I suspect this means he has been largely unaffected by the pandemic or the floods, the high price of petrol, the war in Europe, having a liar in the lodge, etc. Even that big purple governmental courgette that was trotted out in an attempt to gather women together into a networking frenzy. Grant has been, seemingly, insulated from all of that. <laughs> I don't know for certain, but I surmise that if you're sitting there staring at the wreckage of your house and everything you own being trapped under four feet of mud and silt and you couldn't buy insurance for that, 
you generally wouldn't have time to be annoyed by trivialities such as pronunciation. But I do take some issue with your letter, Grant. There's an apostrophe before the capital S in Australia. Australians all let us rejoice, for we are fat and dumb, with a liar in the lodge and a beetrooter who hates him at his side. Our land is girt by bogans, or whatever the song actually says, right? Australia, apostrophe. That apostrophe is there to denote the missing A and U preceding the S in Australia. Failing to put that apostrophe in place, Grant, is downright un-Australian dude. There's an apostrophe in the front of the P in apostrophe for exactly the same reason. At the risk of going all apostrophe inception on you, this book might help provide some clarification. Fucking apostrophes. It's actually an awesome read. Link in the description. P.S. Grant. I don't give a shit if you watch or not, dude. Really, I don't. But thanks for letting me in on that vital future viewing status update. And why? Noted, dude. Now we can all get on with our lives in Australia.